praise and glory this morning. And Heavenly Father, Lord God, we worship you and we praise your holy name. We thank you for your goodness, Heavenly Father, Lord God. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for blessing us, Lord God, to see another Sunday morning, Heavenly Father. Bless us to see another day that you made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for all the wonderful things, Lord God, that you do. And we thank you, Lord God, for comfort and peace, Lord God. And we worship you, Lord God, and we glorify you. We praise your holy name, for you are more than worthy to be praised and greatly to be praised. And we honor you, Lord Jesus, this morning. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, this morning for everyone here, Lord God, that's in our worship service, Lord God, and those that may be joining us later, Lord God. And we bless you to bless each and every one, Lord God, and every family that's represented here, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for keeping us in perfect peace with a mind that stayed on you, Lord God. And we continue to pray for your guidance and directions in our lives, Lord God, and that you continue to speak to our hearts. For we know that you are the head of our lives and that we belong to you, Heavenly Father. And we was bought at a price. The precious blood of Jesus was shed for us on Calvary, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, continue to take us from faith to faith and from glory to glory, Heavenly Father. Continue, Lord God, to help us to walk steadily along the path, Lord God, that you have placed us on, Lord God. For we will follow the voice of the good shepherd, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the author and furniture of our faith, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for showering us, Lord God, with your love. Continue to shower us with your blessing, Heavenly Father. Day by day, Lord God, we seek your face, Heavenly Father, Lord God. To praise your holy name, Lord God, because we can't make it without you, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for always supplying us with all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God, that you're the one who order our steps, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we delight ourselves in you, Lord God. And we would not lean our own, on, our, on our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge you. And you are direct our path, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for blessing this worship service this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you for the holy word that's going to go forth in the power and demonstration by the Holy Spirit, Lord God. And we pray that your word, Lord God, will accomplish everything that you sent it out to do this morning, Heavenly Father. And that your word, Lord God, will fall on fertile ground this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for our messenger, Lord God. We thank you for our pastor, Frazier, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for your anointing upon her, Lord God. We thank you for the message that you have given her this morning, Lord God. And when she opened her mouth, Lord God, we pray that you'll fill it, Lord God. And we pray that you continue to follow the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will have his way, Lord God. And we pray that your word will minister to this morning, Lord God. And we pray that you will speak to our hearts, Lord God, through your word and through your spirit, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, to bless our pastor, Lord God, and all that she does, Lord God. And we know that she is the apple of your eye, Lord God. And she's the one, Lord God, who will answer your calling, Lord God. And she will continue, Lord God, to preach and teach and do what you call for her to do. And we thank you, Lord God, for blessing her coming in and going out, Lord God. And we pray that you bless each and every one, Lord God, that's here this morning. You know our weights and our burdens, Lord God. And we just want to lift them up to you, Lord God, this morning and release them all to you, Heavenly Father. We surrender all to you, Heavenly Father, and ask you to have your way, Lord God. And Lord God, 
we thank you, Lord God, that we don't have to worry, Lord God, because we know that you are all, always by our side, Lord God, and that we can trust in you, Lord God, and we surrender all to you, Lord Jesus, because we do trust in you. Ask you to have your way, Lord God, and we thank you for meeting all our needs, Heavenly Father, Lord God. Thank you for protecting our families, Heavenly Father, Lord God, and keeping evil out of our path in the name of Jesus Christ. And we want to bind up the lies of the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. Thinking beneath our feet this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord God. The devil is a lie, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, at the right time, you will, he will, you will squash up under our feet, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that the enemy has no power or authority over us, Lord God. And we will continue to tread upon the lion and the cobra. And the young lion and the serpent, we will trample underfoot, Lord God. And we thank you for the victory that we have in you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that no weapon formed like this. Oh, Lord, I want you to help me.
Sister Carlan. <laughs> what you say, Sister Carlan? Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. Sing it, girl. Walk with me, Lord. Please walk with me as I'm on this. She said, sing somebody's mind 
so that they can put it into existence. So praise the Lord, that's not my sermon, but I just took the opportunity to say that because uh, last night when I was praying with my prayer partner, Sister Cora Holmes, uh, the Lord led us to pray about that. And it's just uh, something that uh, we're watching. And as we watch it, we see we're going backwards instead of forward. We know that's not God's plan for us. So we praise the Lord for each one of you again this morning. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the message now. Unless Reverend, you have something else for us to sing. Praise God, you did the right thing this morning. We did the right thing in having you uh, put on some uh, old, as the as elderly call it, the senior citizens, of which I am one, one of the old standards this morning. <laughs> I want Jesus to walk with me. <laughs> Amen. No, I got I got nothing to say, Pastor, but those are just two good things to start you off in the morning. It, it, Amen. Ask the Lord to help you and ask him to walk with you. I, I, like I said, people at Ikea think I'm crazy because I'm there before the store open and I'm walking, singing that song and they be like, oh, Richard here today. But uh, those are songs that are very good to wake up to. Yeah, well, praise God you there. You know, these people don't really understand that having believers around them in the work environment, we're a blessing. And they don't always see us as a blessing, but we are a blessing. A lot of things that we go on in these places uh, that would be harmful to the ones that are there because God's people are in there. It doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen as seriously as it could, you know. And so wherever we go, we bring light and we bring joy and we bring peace. So people need to understand that when they have believers working for them, they are really blessed. And the people around us are blessed. Sometimes they don't like what we say because we don't join in their mess. But that's okay. We're the blessing. So praise God. That's not my sermon this morning. <laughs> so we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit makes a mark on us. That we are marked by the Holy Spirit. That's where I'm going this morning. And so we're going to be talking about that. And uh, I'm going to start out uh, with the scripture that the Lord gave me last night as I was <laughs> getting ready for this morning. And it's 2 Corinthians 3, chapter 3, verse 6. 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 6. Now, uh, if you read a if you have a reference Bible or know how to do it online, you'll be interested in some of the scriptures that you will pull up that go along with that scripture. So, there's one in Jeremiah, Jeremiah, down if you want, Luke 22 and 20, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and almost 229 and Romans 7 6. I'm just going to give you those. Those are cross reference 
to this scripture that I'm using in Seneca And it's interesting to do that sometimes, to do a cross-reference. And if you have uh, your, your Bible book uh, handy, some Bible translations have down the center of the page is a lot of scriptures in italic, in italic. And those are all scriptures that are reference scriptures to whatever scripture you're reading in the Bible. And so I'm not going to do a Bible study teaching this morning, but I thought that I would just add that to what uh, we're going to be looking at this morning. And so we're going to be looking at the marks of the Holy Spirit and a believer. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you definitely need to ask for another touch. Now, I'm not talking about the evidence of the Holy Spirit being filling with the evidence of speaking of the tongues. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit indwelling in people. Because the Holy Spirit is a part of the God here. So if you have Jesus and you have God, you've got to have the Holy Spirit because they're three in one. So you can't have one without the other. So then dwelling means that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. Then filling means that you have the Holy Spirit with some gifts of speaking in other tongues. Uh, and uh, uh, that is uh, the icing on the cake. And uh, some people desire that and some don't. I desired it and I went after God with a passion and finally sent me somewhere to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So I'm going to stop right here about that. But Excuse this, me, Pastor, what, what uh, scripture did you say? Second Corinthians what? Three and six. Second Corinthians. So Looking at that scripture, first I want to pray, Papa, thank you so much. I thank you for the opportunity to speak a word. I ask that you would guide my tongue, Holy Spirit, through me the perfect will of God, regarding the word of God, and that, Father God, whatever I say would bring glory and honor to you. It's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by the Holy Spirit of God. I bind the enemy. I take authority over him. He will not interrupt. He will not interfere. And we just thank you, Lord, that ears are anointed to hear and hearts are open to receive. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, and I'm going to read it out of several translations so you can get a, a clear what the scripture is saying. So I start with the King James translation because the Lord brought that uh, to me uh, in that uh, translation when he brought the scripture to me. And it says, who also have made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit Give it life. And then uh, I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant? Not of letter, but of spirit. For the 
genetic cues, but the spirit gives life. And wherever you see in the translation, spirit with a capital S, it means the Holy Spirit. If you see spirit in a scripture without the capital S, it's talking about your human spirit. So that's a good thing to know so you don't get confused about what spirit we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so the Living Translation says he has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. So I like that King James, that old King James translation that says, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. And what is the Apostle Paul talking about here? He's talking about uh, the fact of the matter that we are not under the law, we are under spirit. And so uh, with that scripture, he's explaining to us the difference in what the spirit, the, the Holy Spirit gives us life, spiritual life. But the letter kill it. You see, under the law, we could not, we could not uh, keep the law. We still can't keep the law. We still run stop signs at speed. And uh, so we still ain't keeping the law, but the spirit gives life. And the letter, the law is death, meaning that it doesn't come to any good end. And so as we look this morning at the scripture, we know that the Holy Spirit always produces one general kind of effect in our lives. But there are a lot of varieties on how he manifests. And so we have to understand that. So he works in us, he works in our hearts. But the general outline of our faith and life is always the same. He works in our hearts differently. He has different gifts. And we look at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where I'm not born, where it says God gave gifts unto men, but he talk, they talk about uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about the different gifts. So there are different gifts, and we all don't all have the same gifts, but it's the same Holy Spirit that is giving us those gifts, and it's the same Holy Spirit operating so the general effects uh, which the spirit always produces in us uh, it helps to know that he is really in residence in us the Holy Spirit is really in residence in us we have to understand that because people think because they don't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit that they don't have the People in old night Pentecost used to say, if you didn't speak in tongues, you wasn't saved. Well, that is not true because you can speak in tongues if you're not saved. <laughs> you have to be saved to receive the infilling, and you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at the time that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. So I always like to make that clear because, see, I was raised in the Baptist denomination, and of course, 
they don't do a lot of teaching on speaking in other tongues. So then when I got around Pentecostal people, they wanted to say I was saved uh, because I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And as a kid, I, I can remember that. I'll share that experience before with you all, how uh, the Pentecostal church in Redwood City, which still exists, that pastor that founded that particular church, used to get my father to do work for him. My father was a PK. And so even though he wasn't living the way he should have been living, when the preachers asked for help, he was a cement mason, a cement finisher. And if they wanted some cement work done, they'd look for Brother Matthews because he would help the church. He would raise money for the church. He would do all of that. He just didn't go to church and and, and stay in church like his, uh, his inheritance should have caused him to do. But anyway, uh, that church... <clears throat> Uh, was having a district meeting, and they were having their district meeting, and of course, they didn't have an, a lot of young people. So my friend, uh, the best friend that lived next door to me uh, in the apartments that my mother and father managed, uh, we were both members of the junior choir at Jerusalem Baptist, and so uh, they knew that we used to be in the in the. In the youth choir, so they asked us to sing with them. Well, we were happy to do that. But the woman that was leading, uh, was providing the leadership for the youth. We started, she was teaching a song, and we knew the song, so we started singing it. And the, the, the young people that were a part of that church, I guess they didn't know the song, or they just wasn't singing and she looked at them and said, y'all gonna let these unsaved girls sing better than you? And I took offense, even at that time, I must have been. Oh God, maybe I was 12 years old, cause I was already saved. I got saved when I was 10 years old. So anyway, uh, I was offended at that because how can you call me unsaved? I was taught that if I, uh, uh, if uh, I am, uh, uh, confessed Jesus Christ as my Savior, that I was saved. So, anyway, <clears throat> I'm not going there uh, to stay. Uh, but what I'm trying to say to you is, is that the Holy Spirit, when you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in that package. You receive the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to make that clear. So the way that the Holy Spirit operates in our lives, he can operate differently in our lives, but there are some marks. There are some identifications that help us to know that the Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. And uh, the scripture in our uh, I believe Galatians says that we have a mark on our forehead, and that is the mark that the devil sees when he tries to come after us when we are saved, is that mark of the Holy Spirit on our forehead. So we just got to talk about some of these marks of the Holy Spirit this morning. Once we are saved, we're going to talk about it. So when we have the Holy Spirit, we are made spiritually alive. And we look at 
Romans chapter 8, verse 3, and it says, the spirit of life, it is the spirit, says our Lord Jesus Christ, who quickens. We are all by nature dead in our trespasses and sin, and we neither are feeling nor interest about. We have no interest in being uh, saved. We have neither faith nor hope nor fear nor love. Our hearts are in a state of confusion. And uh, we can compare that in the scripture to a stone. Our hearts are stony before we get saved. And it is the Holy Spirit that causes that softening of our hearts. It is the Holy Spirit that causes us to be saved, to be able to save uh, Jesus is Lord. Without the Holy Spirit, we could not save Jesus. Lord, because if you deal with any unsaved people, they are just, everything is just uh, blah. They don't have no sensitivity. They don't have no concern when it comes to God. They operate specifically on their own. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we have that softening that comes into our hearts, that causes us to be able to say, Jesus is Lord. And so we have to understand that without the Holy Spirit, we would need to be able to get saved. So that's why when Jesus uh, was leaving his disciples, he said to them, I am sending you another comforter because he had been their comfort. He had been their peace. He had been everything to them. And now he was leaving them. And so they, he said, I am sending you another comforter. And so <clears throat> what the Holy Spirit does for us is what he did for Christ in that tomb. You know, when Jesus was crucified, <laughs> he died. You know that. And he was buried. And he was in the tomb for three days. We know that. And he, he was resurrected on the third day. And how was he resurrected? It was the Holy Spirit that came upon him and raised him up in that tomb. And it is the Holy Spirit that raises us from being spiritually dead. Because when we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we are not saved, we are spiritually dead towards God. And if you don't believe me, you talk to some of them sinners, you know, and some that say they say that need another touch, and you will see that they are spiritually dead, so towards God. And so all of this change when the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, and he raises us from a state of death, and he makes us new creatures in Christ Jesus. And so we see that uh, scripture that says we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And I believe it's 5 and 17, I think. Uh, sometimes I can uh, remember the verse in and, and chapter, and sometimes I have to go back and look again. But that is what the scripture says. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old 
things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. We have become alive after we receive Jesus as our Savior. And he awakens our conscience and uh, we are inclined towards doing the will of God. He causes those old things to pass away. All those things become new to us. And if you don't believe me, look at your own life and see how many things that he has caused to pass away. Look at how many things he has actually caused you to release. Because some people say they don't want to get saved because they don't want to give up nothing. Listen, God doesn't force you to give up nothing. We, Some of us still have some habits that we ain't got no business with, but he tolerates that because he has to be patient with us because David said, we are dust, we are dirt. One while that was a fa that was a, a favorite statement of mine when people were cut in front of me uh, on the freeway or they were rude in any way. I don't use profanity, but I would call them dirt. <laughs> so my son Chris was driving me one day and I said, you see that dirt cut in front of me? <laughs> he said, Mom, you calling people dirt? But we are, that's what we came from, y'all, dirt. <laughs> that Adam, he was made out of dirt. You know, believe me, you go back to Jensen. Some of us haven't graduated to being a full-fledged, uh, you know, human being in the terms of being godly. So we still acted like dirt. Now, forgive me if it offends you. I don't mean to offend you, but I'm telling you, when people are not where they ought to be in the Lord or they don't know Jesus Christ, it is not good. And so that old thing, when we accept Jesus Christ, old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. God gives us a new heart and he makes us put off that old man. That old man is all the old habits and behaviors that we have. And sometimes we're kind of slow about giving them up. But he puts on the new. He blows the trumpet in the ear of our slumbering faculties. We are asleep, y'all. And he wakes us up to spiritual things. He wakes us up to godly things. He wakes us up from that sleep that will cause us uh, death instead of life. And he blows the trumpet, I want to say it in one more time, in the ear of our slumbering faculties and sends us forth to walk the world, walk the world as if we were new beings. And if you don't believe you're a new being, talk to some of your unsaved friends. Or even talk to some of your friends that have noticed the difference. Have noticed that your conversation has changed. And noticed that you're not that same person I used to use drugs with, that we drank scotch together, that we went to the tracks on the railroad tracks. We used to go to a place on the tracks of San Mateo in San Mateo. It was called, uh, we we go to Sullivan's that club. And then when Sullivan's closed, we go down on the tracks. <laughs> I'm laughing because, Lord, that's been so long ago, and I'm so glad that Jesus sent me free. But we used to go down there on the tracks. That was the after-hour joint. So you see, all of those things that we used to do, 
song. There's a rhythm and blues song that said that things that I used to do, I don't do no more. Well, that wasn't a godly song, but certainly the words are true for me. That God has delivered me from a whole lot of stuff, and I'm so thankful that he's done that for me. And when you see people and you knew them like that, and now you don't know them like that because they don't do those things anymore. <laughs> God has given them a new heart. He has given them a new mind. You know, we're forever renewing our mind. That's what the word of God does for us. It renews our minds. And it causes us to get free of some of that stinking thinking that we put in. You know, some of us needed a, a, a sanitizer in our minds. Our minds were just messed up with the devil's mess. And we were evil thinking people that spoke out evil thinking things. And some of us got some stuff stuck back there in our minds that we need to release. Because we may not say it no more, but we think it. And so I'm going to leave that alone. But anyway, you know, last <laughs> That's all right, ma'am. <laughs> so, unlike, we're not like Lazarus. Lazarus was shut up in a silent tomb. And, you know, to Lazarus, Lazarus, he, when Jesus called him forth at his command, you know, and Lazarus uh, got up and he still had the grave clothes on. You know, they had the, these, the, Claws that they wrapped you up in once you died and put you in the tomb. And so when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he got up from that tomb and he still had the grave clothes on. That's what the word tells us. And then we see Jairus, his daughter was lying cold on her bed. And the people were grieving, they were weeping, the friends, they were weeping. And Jairus' daughter uh, uh, rose up and started speaking to her mother when she was raised from the dead. You know, just the same kind of thing that God does for us. We don't be physically dead, but we are spiritually we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And God came, uh, had somebody come our way and share Jesus Christ with us. And the Holy Spirit softened our heart and brought us to a new life, a new creature in Christ Jesus. So just as Mike is the man in whom the spirit dwells to what he was before the spirit came into him. Just as unlike is the man in whom the spirit dwells to what he was before the spirit came into him. In other words, what's the difference in you now and before the Holy Spirit came into your life? when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so we need to know that all who have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, all of us are taught by that same Holy Spirit, you know, and he's called the Spirit of Wisdom and Revelations. You'll find that in Ephesians 1 and 17. And it was the promise of the Lord Jesus 
day. He shall teach you all things. That's what Jesus told his disciples. When the comforter comes, he will teach you all things. And you shall he shall guide you into all truth. And you know, one of the favorite things I like to do is I say, Holy Spirit, show me the truth. You know, because a lot of times the devil, you know, the devil is a professional liar. He is a habitual liar. And he has been lying to us so long. And we've heard that voice. You know, I was laughing the other day because I have a new great-grandbaby. And uh, my daughter was saying, it's her, she's, it's her grandchild. And she was saying that they brought the baby to see her. And how the baby was really interested when she started talking, the baby's eyes popped open and she was really interested in her. And I said, well, she been hearing you <laughs> talk all this time and you, uh, she won't see what you look like. So you see, the Holy Spirit is our, our, our teacher. And uh, when we learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and still hear the voice of Satan, then that's when we can be obedient and get that wisdom and get that revelation that God wants us to have. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, that's what we're talking about. And Jesus promised those disciples, he said, he shall teach you all things. You want to know all things? Let the Holy Spirit teach you. Be teachable. That's what I'm really trying to say. Because some of us have a real struggle with people trying to teach us simple things. But we don't want to do it that way because we know what we want to do. And we don't want to do it that way because we, we know what God said to us. But sometimes we don't know what God's saying to us. And sometimes he sends somebody our way to try to help us hear what he's saying to us. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but I have certainly had God would be trying to tell me something and I wasn't hearing. And he'd send somebody else across my path to share that same information so I could get a hold of it, you know. So we need to learn to be teachable. And then the scripture says, this is all in John 14, 26, verse, uh, verse 26 of 14, and verse chapter 16, and verse 13 uh, of the gospel of John. He shall guide you into all truth. And what did Jesus say about that? To know the truth, and it will set you free. Some of us are in bondage because we don't know the truth and we don't want to accept the truth. We want to keep on doing what we've been doing. I've been doing this for blah da 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 and I'm just going to keep on doing it. Well, you can keep on doing it. God is not going to force you to do a thing, but you're missing God and you're missing blessings. That's what the real problem is. When we're disobedient to God, we miss blessings. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And so we really need to understand that. So we are all by nature ignorant of spiritual truth. Yes, Lord, we are. And, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul said, don't be ignorant to Satan's devices. So we are ignorant of spiritual truth many times, y'all. And the scripture in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, 
they are foolishness to him. How many times have I heard people say the, the Bible is confusing? Uh, the Bible contradicts itself, which is a lie. It does not, God is not confused. We are. And the, and the, the Bible doesn't con contradict itself. There is a flow to the word of God. Starting the Old Testament in the beginning was the word. Uh, and the word was God. That's actually in the New Testament. But if you go back to Genesis and read it, you'll see that in the beginning was uh, the word. Jesus, Jesus is uh, the man God. But the, uh, the uh, deity, which is Christ, was with God from the beginning. I'm not teaching on that today because I always have to really explain. Some people get confused about that. But you see, it's our confusion. We assume things that God didn't say or do, and we decide we want it like that, and we don't want nobody to tell us no different. So our eyes are blinded. The enemy blinds our eyes. And we neither know God, nor Christ, nor ourselves, nor the world, nor sin, nor heaven, nor hell, as we ought to. We see everything in false colors. The Spirit alters entirely his state of things. He opens the eyes of our understanding. The Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, opens the eyes of our understanding. And he illumines us. He calls us out of darkness into the marvelous light. He takes away that veil that's over our eyes. He shines his light in our hearts and makes us see things as they really are. Praise the Lord. That's a whole bunch of stuff he does for us. And you know one thing, I know that to be true. And so when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, God would give me these dreams, these, I call them mini dreams. First thing in the morning before my feet hit the floor, he would give me these dreams. And the dreams would be in vivid color. I mean, it was exaggerated. The colors were so bright. And the people that he showed me, I had to try to figure out who they were because God showed them to me. The Holy Spirit showed me the people in my dreams the way he sees us. You see, God sees us from the inside out. And so he would show me these people that he was showing me uh, that I would have contact with that day or that they would be making some decisions that would affect me, whatever it was. And it was exaggerated. I call it exaggerated because he wanted it to be simple enough for me to get it. You see, we need to be things to be simple enough for us to get it. And I laugh about my grandson, Dijon, who is such a smart man intellectually. And uh, he was reading before he, uh, while he was still in kindergarten, and he wasn't reading See the Man. He was reading like I was. And we laughed about it because his teacher was so excited about him in kindergarten because he came to her reading. Well, Regina uh, helped him to be uh, one of those Sesame Street kids. So she put him in front of that TV with Sesame Street. So everything that Sesame Street is, does is not good. But let me tell you, Dijon 
was very knowledgeable about some things that would help him in his education before he was able to go to school because she sent him in front of that TV with Sesame Street. Now, I don't recommend everything that Sesame Street does, but I'm telling you what happened with this little boy. He's very bright. And uh, he's not a little boy anymore. In fact, he turned 30 years old this year. I laughed and laughed because I said, how did you get to be 30? And I didn't realize, you know, I'm still thinking, maybe he's 25, but he's not, he's 30. And so it's a real uh, joy for me to see my grandchildren get grown. And that was one of my prayers to the Lord, that I would see my grandchildren get grown. And he has certainly allowed me to even see great-grandson. I'm so grateful for that. So anyway, the spirit alters entirely uh, the state of things. He opens the eyes of our understanding and he illumines us and he calls us out of darkness into the marvelous light and he takes away the veil and he shines into our hearts and makes us see things as they really are. And you know, no wonder that all true Christians are so uh, uh, remarkably agreed upon the, the essentials of true religion, and I'm not talking about religion, religion, I'm talking about the true understanding and knowledge that goes along with us being God's people. Our relationship with God, that's what I'm talking about. And, uh, and the reason is uh, because we all have learned at the same school. And the school is the school of the Holy Spirit. So we can understand each other and we can find common ground in our fellowship because we are all sitting under the same teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit shows us the way to the Lord uh, Jesus Christ and to the Father God, the scripture says it clearly that he will always point the way to them. And so with that understanding, no wonder we are able to have common ground for fellowship. And that doesn't mean that we're going to always agree about everything, but God will give us a common place. He will give us an opportunity to work it out if we so desire. And it depends on our level of growth, you see. You can't treat a baby Christian like a mature Christian because they're not ready yet. It's just like your 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 children or your grandchildren, when they're toddlers, you can't teach them what a four-year-old knows in most cases, unless they're one of them little geniuses. But in the natural, you cannot teach them and expect them to behave like a four-year-old. And so we have to understand that we're at different levels of spiritual understanding and spiritual growth, and we don't all act the same all the time. So those of us that are mature have to understand that we need to help those that are immature. And sometimes it's very hard to help them because they don't want to learn. It's very, can't force it. God don't force it. You know, I love this mentor that I had, Sister Sybil Barrett, who went on to be with the Lord some years back. She had a saying that this was so wonderful. She said that God will keep you in the remedial class 
until you learn the lesson. And you go back and look at yourself. How many times did it take you to learn certain, certain things? And you were saying, Lord, how come I'm going through this again? Because you didn't learn the lesson. You know, and the other proverb that goes with that is when the teacher, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. And when we are ready, God will reveal to us those things in a, in a heartbeat because we're ready. But if we're not ready, then we have to wait a little longer because we're going to try to go through something uh, without doing what God said. And he lets us do that, but he's not going to, uh, it's not going to bless us, but hopefully we'll get the lesson. So, you know, can he who is ignorant of the leading doctrines of the gospel and blind to his own state, can he be said to have the spirit and judge for yourself? Is what I'm going to say to you about that. Judge for yourself. So I have to stop because I've gone way over the time, y'all. And I'm not finished with this by any means. But I'm praying that until we have another opportunity to come back, that God will begin to manifest to you exactly what it is in your life that you need to see. You see, because that's what we do. We preach to you, but we preach to ourselves. Many times when I finish a sermon, God gives me the answer to something that I need to find uh, a solution for, or I need direction for. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm laying in the bed on Sunday night or whenever Bible study night, and all of a sudden, that thing that I have been trying to get God to help me to know or to do or whatever it is becomes crystal clear because I not only am speaking to you, but I'm speaking to myself by the Holy Spirit 